Hi everyone, Robbie here. I'm excited to announce the release of my second novel, Truth, available now on Amazon. Here's a short description. As host of a popular conservative news show, Leo Price's business is conspiracies and fake news, and business is booming. But one picture changes everything. Leo is given a single photo decades old that reveals shocking crimes by those in power. Missing his past career as a real journalist, Leo wants to investigate, but chasing this story could cost him his job and maybe even his life. But forgetting isn't an option. Since his discovery, pale, lidless eyes are creeping into his vision. Nightmares of torture and death are invading his sleep. All he hears are whispers of lies. Something's tormenting him, and it won't let him forget what he's learned. Leo must reveal the truth or be haunted by it. It's a great book for fans of psychological horror or political mystery. The link to purchase it is in the show notes or at my website, RobbieDorman.com. You can also read it for free with Kindle Unlimited. I appreciate you checking it out. Hi, everybody. This is The Simpsons Show. I'm Robbie with my co-host, Matt, and we are here to talk about The Simpsons from the beginning. Matt, how are you? I am fantastic. Going to take a big bite of something sugary as I record this. I'm actually pretty much off sugar at the moment. So, oh no, are you on keto again? I am. I am. Oof. Rough it, life. Eh, it's all right. It, I lose weight, you know, and that's the goal. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about some. Sh- we're going to talk about sugar today, at least a little bit. It's impossible gonna not have to. to with this particular yeah, episode. It's impossible Oof. not to. Uh, hi guys, we are brought to you by supporters on Patreon. You can support us by going to patreon.com slash The Simpsons Show for only $2 a month. Gain access to all of our bonus content. This week's episode is Sweets and Sour Marge, episode D-A-B-F-03, originally aired January 20th, 2002, written by Carolyn Omine and directed by Mark Kirkland, two vets at this point. Uh, let's see, it tell by what's in the episode. Uh, let's see, it received a 7.3 rating, approximately 7.5 million viewers, finished 34th in the ratings for that week. Uh, the couch gag, The Simpsons sat on the couch at Crane Game Clank, Crane Game Clamp, Crane Game Clamp, Crane Game, that's a good, that's a tongue twist right there. Crane Game Clamp comes down and picks up Homer who screams, ow, my brain. Because, you know, that's what you scream. Brain, and your I mean, head gets crushed. But your brain doesn't have nerve endings. Maybe your skull. I'm saying. Ow, ow, my skull, I think, is actually... Homer's not very smart, so, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's it's fine, you know, it's... Physical comedy works pretty much all the time in the in the couch gags. No... Also, it's true, it's the easiest thing. <laughs> no chalkboard gag again, man. So this is, again, at least some... Like, hey, Al Jean's like, hey, we're gonna make this episode bigger than it needs to be. Again, just the barest sign, a sign of the barest amount of effort. Or they wanted to fit more uh, into the episode, so they cut out some. They, like, how many, how many Scully episodes where that extra forty-five seconds of intro that they use could be used to make something make sense? I mean, they could use it in a lot of places, quite frankly. But mm-hmm. they probably should have cut a whole lot of other places mm-hmm. instead. This episode guest stars Ben Stiller as Garth Motherloving. Talk about a waste. Yeesh. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't mind this episode, honestly. But Garth Mother Loving. 
Mm. It's gonna struggle. We're gonna struggle with Garth Mother loving our feeling. Yeah. Uh, the episode starts with a book sale at the library, which is fun. I love book sales, and I love book sales at libraries, and I love libraries. I like all those things because they have books. I like books. I'm very much Lisa, and this was like you see the scene. This Lisa was me as a child. This is literally I would just have stacks of books, and my mom's like, oh, "I know it's okay." I was say, it's so much easier nowadays, and kids can have thousands of books on one little tablet. It's, they, they don't understand the the, the uh, Sophie's choice of what books do I get rid of to add room for more. I mean, if you're my parents, Matt, you just say, "Oh, well, we'll just stack them in the corner with all the others." <laughs> um but we get a lot basic a lot of book jokes all at once ah the full leonard nimoy cycle i am not spock then i am spock and finally i am also scotty hmm. that's what we look like inside it's disgusting oh that lady swallowed the baby Good heavens. Lisa, you're not buying more than your weight in books. But I have to save them. The books no one buys get chopped up and fed to pigs. Helen Fielding's giving them pigs Bridget Jones's diarrhea. Well, what about this? The Duff Book of World Records. It's got pictures of deformities. Okay. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god! Wow, now that's a goiter. Why would Duff Beer put out a book? It was originally published to settle arguments in taverns. She said tavern! I'm going to Moe's! I never agreed to that rule! That's a very interesting rule Homer's instituted. Oh yeah, right? Like, uh, I mean, I completely agree that Homer or that Marge should not actually uh, agree to that. Uh, but Homer's just like, you know what? Whatever. That's the, that works for me. Lisa said the word. So he gets to go. And that conveniently takes us to where Homer uses the Duff Book of World Records to settle an argument between Carl and Lenny about clothespins on faces. And this Book of World Records is... And this still has, and I don't think we're ever going to get rid of it ever again in The Simpsons, Matt. So I have to make a little bit of peace with it, at least when it makes some kind of sense in the episode. But this is the inciting incident to the inciting incident to the inciting incident. Yeah, I think we're going to eventually get back to a single inciting incident, but we're still at least a couple of seasons away from that. Yeah, but so, that's not like the worst part. No, this th- this episode. It feels like, I don't know, this feels like a, like, one of the better Scully year episodes, frankly. That's what it feels like. It feels like yeah. an Al, Al Jean written Scully year episode, you know, where it still is messy in some places and has some w- bad celebrity guest star appearance, probably. But it pulls it through enough that you go, oh, it's all right. It's not so bad. Um, but this is where we get to the start of the plot that starts the other plot that starts the last plot which is homer now has the world the book of world records and is settling arguments with it telling mo the only the best book that he's ever seen which is a tom clancy book which sure i don't think that's possibly true but whatever. i mean mo 
I mean, Mo read Little Women. We saw him read Little Women. Little Women. And that is way better than any Tom Clancy novel. Little Women is better than Tom Clancy. Um, yeah. So he is, I, you know, we get it's sort of like a shortcut here where Homer is obviously using all his knowledge and or his knowledge, all the knowledge in this book to like talk to people and settle arguments and and ask people, hey, what's the, 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 the what's the world record for this and that? And so we at least they do this. They fast forward basically to the point where Homer has exhausted all the information in the book and the family's kind of tired of it. And so they encourage him to try and set his own world records. Oh, here's a good one. The world's most overrated saint. Francis of Assisi. Oh, I've used up all these records. Why don't you try to set a record, Dad? That's a great idea. Do you think I could run a mile in three and a half minutes? Only on Mars. The Simpsons are going to Mars. So pack your... Or maybe I'll think of something else. You're a cinch to be the world's fattest man. No, I'm here for the greatest living actor. I'm here to break a world record. What's the longest anyone's ever done this? Three years. Oh, pff, fine. I'll just play the banjo with this cobra. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, technically the cobra would get the record. He's the one playing. But it's my banjo. Mr. Simpson, there are thousands of people like you with no discernible talent. Yeah, they're called Congress. <laughs> Shut up. Okay. All the individual records were set by crackpots who have killed themselves. The only way someone new can get in the book is with some kind of group stunt. Group stunt? Like that town that made the world's largest omelet. Denver? No, Spanish. Get it? I do get it. I also get that Homer is playing a banjo with a cobra. That is... Alrighty then. Ah, uh, I don't know, Matt. I don't know what to tell you. Alright, this is... I think we've been over this. There's nothing we can say at this point. It's, it, it's a certain type of Simpsons episode that we do not like, but someone might. We don't know those people, and we try not to associate with them, but <laughs> hey, maybe they will. That's not, that's not nice, Matt. I... I don't really care about the Cobra and like it, it totally makes sense in this scene. I don't really, I don't like the, 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 the hee haw, like stare at the camera bit joke. Really? That's way more. That's more egregious to me than him using a Cobra to play a banjo. That's just, Hey, it's a weird world record. I, okay, whatever. It's more about like, Hey, we'll just stare at the camera and mug. Like that's not a joke, guys. That's that's a he. That's I don't, mugging at the camera is not joking, especially in this kind of show where there is no camera. He haw. At least you could say they knew they were putting on a variety show. There's no. This is not okay. But I I I, I frankly I like this scene. You know I like them. Like hey, Homer has no discernible talent, and the only people who set world records like this are all crackpots who, you know, do something that's impossible for a normal person because. Normal people don't want to ruin their lives to set a world record. But Homer sees this as a he's like, oh, I have to organize the town to do something. So he comes up with the idea to make have, have put the, the town have the tallest human pyramid. Sure. Good as anything. 
honestly. Yeah, I mean, the only problem, my only problem with picking that is it can be very dangerous, and I feel like they should have picked something a little easier, uh, so it's not so likely for people to get hurt, but hey, I mean, the smartest groups of people do this with a scaffolding behind them, so, you know, it's harder to get hurt, at least. It's Homer organizing this, Matt. I do not. I know. And it's I Springfield. Know. They're not... I don't, I don't know. It, it is... Uh, it, it is going, frankly, extraordinarily well. Uh, like everyone is stacking up, and uh, again, I could, I could pull a clip for this, because there's no, there's no talking, really. It's just noises, for the most part. But eventually, I think the the largest problem is that Homer decides he's going to be on the top. Why? Yeah, you'd think the tiniest people would be on the top, like Lisa or Bart or any of the other hundreds of children Springfield must have. But no, the fattest guy is going to be on top. Or put, Second fat, or, third fast. We're gonna, huh. Matt, we're going to have to talk about... Oh, okay. So we're going to get to the fat stuff. Uh, Homer climbs to the top. Uh, he does we, a long, again, this is another, this long production of, it's literally a minute of him climbing this pyramid. And it's, just, it's, I, 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 I could, I did not find much fun in it. It's very, it's kind of like cliffhanger, but him climbing people and pulling down people's pants so that their butt cracks were showing. Yeah, I get it because people don't like to show their butts. Well, sure. It, that's, a, that is, I mean, that literally is the joke. Uh, and then he sets a base camp, which I do, I can appreciate that joke, even if they've used it before in the, uh, the, the uh, power sauce episode, I believe they use that same, yeah. same joke, but he eventually gets up there out of anger for Bart, but finds out that they're actually just a foot short. He puts Maggie on top, which would set the record. However, they need to hold it for three seconds or three Mississippi. So those are very long Mississippis, I want to say. Seemed a little unfair for me. How long they had to hold? Oh yeah, because their Mississippis are not Mississippis. They're like three Mississippis together. I mean, one, two, three, done. That's three seconds. They don't. Of course, the the uh, the, the the pyramid falls because uh, Dolph and Jimbo realize they're touching each other, and so the, the pyramid collapses and then turns into a giant Katamari-style human ball. That rolls down the street, uh, again, which is kind of just a bunch of noise. Can't really capture a clip. It, they do stop a suicide uh, attempt, so that's valuable. Poor man was going to jump out of a building, instead lands in the human ball. It rolls all the way down. Like, Springfield's very hilly, by the way. I didn't remember so many hills in Springfield. Springfield, as we'll learn later this episode, is exactly what every episode needs it to be. <laughs> it's very malleable. It rolls, it ends up at a truck scales, uh, knocks a truck off the scales, by the way. It knocks a full-size semi-truck off the scales. I, I mean, I guess it is, the ball weighs 64,000 pounds, as we see. So, I guess it would have that much mass, although you would, I, I think it would have killed anyone who, the person who has actually had to make contact with the truck. Yeah. They probably would die. I don't want to impose too many real life physics on this episode because it would quickly it would quickly crumble like the human pyramid. So they end the the ball finally stops on the truck scales, and Springfield learns that they've set a different world record. I am so far from my car, dude. You're lying on top of me, dude. 
Wait a minute, look at the scale. Divide by the number of people, subtract belts and shoes. <gasps> Everyone, welcome to the Duff Book of World Records. Springfield is the world's fattest town. In your face, Milwaukee! Yep, in your face, Milwaukee. Milwaukee? I guess, man. I, don't, I, don't know. Eh, I guess, I mean, if you're going to try and start... I mean, you don't have to look very hard in the United States if you're trying to like look for weight, uh, obesity issues or whatever, but... I don't know. The this is a very strange episode. It's it sets a very strange tenor about personal responsibility and uh, you know fat shaming. There's some of that in there for sure. You know, it's always been a part of the Simpsons a little bit because Homer and who he is. But you know, well, you yeah, know. and because the the standard character design, except for a few people like Frank and Mo and Lenny. Uh, all of them have guts. All, all the guys, anyway. Uh, they're all they're all a little overweight, so it's one of the things that this episode can emphasize. I mean, they talked about that. They talked about that in the production. They're like, they thought about it and they realized, like, oh yes, everyone in Springfield is overweight, and so they make it the world's fast town. However, this really isn't the main. This is again not the actual plot yet. This is still just an inciting incident. This is the second inciting incident we see. Uh, we go to commercial, uh, six minutes and 51 seconds in. And when we come back, uh, we have a celebration. Uh, Mayor Quimby declares Springfield Fat City, USA. And everyone is super excited. Everyone is swinging their guts around. And like I said, the majority of the adult male models in Springfield, uh, model character models, not actual models, uh, um, uh, are overweight. So we get to see them swinging around. There's a whole bunch of wibbly-wobbly sounds of guys, you know, letting their guts out. As Homer says, he can finally stop sucking it in. So... Just so you know, the standard Homer character model has him sucking in his gut constantly. Uh, So here he lets it all hang out, essentially. Marge, of course, is not happy about this. Uh, She is wondering how the city got this way. And very quickly, we see why. I don't know how this town got so fat. Mom, we're out of frosting gobs. Here, have one of my fudge stuffed toaster pies. Mmm. Mmm, you kids do eat a lot of sugar, but at least Homer can have a nice, healthy grapefruit. Yeah, you can improve on nature. So that sound was Homer dipping his grapefruit into an entire bowl of sugar, licking off the sugar and throwing away the actual grapefruit. So once again, grapefruit is a sugar delivery mechanism. Uh, So, of course... This is all incredibly disgusting, but, you know, kind of accurate. Uh, I mean, Matt, I would eat, I mean, I have eaten those whatever god-awful chocolate Pop-Tarts, you know, I don't, whatever. I don't care. I try I try to limit myself to the fruit Pop-Tarts. They're obviously healthier. <laughs> <laughs> much, much healthier. Yes, of course. That, that obviously. not true, just so everyone knows. <laughs> obviously much healthier. I mean, I like the pastry strudels, which are... Just Nothing as bad sugar and yeah, a little bit of flour. Just as bad. Uh, I mean, the the honestly, how else are you supposed to eat a grapefruit? I don't think grapefruit is an actual uh, food. Uh, <laughs> some people like to drink the juice, but that has to be heavily sweetened to people, make it palatable. At all. No, man, I know there are people who eat grapefruit for breakfasts. They eat the fruit. It's like licking dirt. <laughs> 
I just, I'm just saying Homer's method of eating a grapefruit is pretty much the only way I would eat one. Uh, well, that's true, but you would probably at least scoop out the inside to eat with the sugar. Homer literally licks the sugar off and throws the actual <laughs> grapefruit away. Uh, I mean, you get some grapefruit, like, f- flavor in there, I'm sure. Yeah, a little then, bit of vitamin C. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I don't know. This episode is trying. I, I think this is what this episode is trying to do, man. I don't really... It, it kind of loses focus in the third act very quickly. Um and just becomes Homer vs. 18th Amendment, but a worse version yeah. of it, basically. But the second act seems to be very much about parodying, you know, Aaron Brockovich and class action lawsuits against, I, I guess, I don't know, scapegoat sugar for people's personal responsibility to not eat, like, garbage. Um, I don't know how to feel about all of this. Because sugar is bad for you. I don't, like, I understand that I am responsible for what I put in my body, but when, you know, the sugar industry also makes sure that when I go to my school as a child, there are multiple, the the only, the vending machines sell only food that has an ungodly amount of sugar in it that all tastes better than the paste that I'm served for lunch. That ready-made meals like Lunchables are full of sugar. Even the pep- the the pepperoni in them have sugar in them. When everything, I don't I don't want to sound like a, a you know a health crusader. A health crusader because you, you eat what you want. I love sugar. Don't get me wrong. It's amazing. <laughs> it tastes great. Well, it's true. I think one of the, the biggest problems we as a society have is because uh, of the whole low-fat craze of the late 80s and early 90s, uh, a lot of processed food companies decided, well, let's take the fat out of everything, but to replace the flavor, it has to be replaced with sugar, which you can argue whether that's a, a good swap out or not. I'm going to say no, uh, because fat is at least required for your body to work. Uh, you know, Your body needs essential fatty acids. It does not need sugar. Nobody nobody needs sugar. Uh, we can get everything we need from you know natural sources of sweetness like fruit. Uh, added sugar, I should say. Your body does not need added sugar. Uh, and I think that's what this episode is kind of poking at is that like everything that most people eat is heavily processed because duh, that's easier uh, than you know not processing food because you can just take it out of a package and slam it in your mouth instead of having to cook it or prepare it in some way. Uh, but this episode does it's the, sim- the traditional Simpsons Scully years thing of the third act takes a weird left turn in order to get that point across and fails at it very very miserably. I mean, it, I, it just becomes like Marge asking people, "Oh yeah, I," I, I and then they are, and then we, I, it, you know, when you look at, you know, I just mentioned Homer versus the Homer versus Eighteenth Amendment. That episode at least looks at it in such a farcical way about prohibition, about how alcohol, yes, alcohol is bad. But also, it also brings us a lot of joy. You know, there's a lot of, you know, in the, that it doesn't try and, like, fix the problem because it understands that the problem, quote unquote, is so much larger than what a 22-minute episode of The Simpsons can say about it. it. All The Simpsons can end up saying about alcohol is like, yeah, it causes a lot of problems. It also makes us happy a lot of the time. Um, so, it, and it doesn't say anything more than that. And elo- very eloquently, by the way, this episode is just like, yeah, you shouldn't, shouldn't, eat, it's not your, you should eat sugar, but don't eat sugar, but sugar's okay, um, but, but it's your fault you eat it, but we shouldn't, but if you ban it, it doesn't do anything, but I'm like, well, you can, all you have to do is like push back on companies and make it 
more clear how much sugar is in a product you know make clear packaging requirements on food just so people know what they're eating yeah especially uh i believe the latest thing is in canada is now required that added sugars be added to labels and there's a, a movement in the u.s to also add that because you know it's one thing to say oh this has sugar in it but you don't know was it added by the manufacturer or did it just naturally come and say the fruit you might have used yeah and that's the other thing the, the, I'm, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves but there's a lot of things that sugar is just not like fruit has sugar in it naturally are they they don't ban fruit no they have limes yeah limes have sugar in it so i don't know i don't know i understand i just this episode's kind of like it bites off more than it can chew and spends time you know with the whole record setting thing that they could have used to actually explore the topic but <laughs> i mean you know if you want to talk that's our usual complaint the structural problems in this aren't i i think they're I think the issues that like the the everything that connects them together is much closer than last week's episode, which we complained so how bad it was because Brawl and the Family was so disconnected. All those things like you're just like, why is why is this this this? But this is like at least okay. Set the world's records for the fattest town, and then Marge looks at the reasoning and it's because of sugar she thinks and sugar is banned and then we get bootlegging sugar at least those are i think those are closer together and this is not so it's not as radically tonally dissonant i think except for that parts of the third act but yeah well because uh the uh bart star is an episode that kind of starts the same way it starts with oh the kids are fat Let's get into football, and boom, there we go. There's an inciting incident, because that's the Simpsons formula. It's just this one, like we said, there's an inciting incident to the inciting incident. It's just strange. I th- I like this one more. I think this also is funnier than last week's episode, to be fair. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. There are actually some parts of this that I laughed out loud. Like, <laughs> I, I captured... Well, we'll get to what I captured. <laughs> so, are we ready to move on, finally? I'm Matt, you just go. You're in charge. Okay, okay. I'm just making sure. All right, so... Uh, Marge, uh, having seen how much sh- uh, sugar her family is eating, goes to the Quickie Mart and sees that everything has sugar in it, uh, which, you know, is strange because I'm sure they sell lots of things at the Quickie Mart, but apparently everything has a ton of sugar. But that's because, as Apu tells her, uh, everything in the store is made by the mother-loving sugar co- corporation. <laughs> everything. Uh, so apparently the Quickie Mart is more of a company store, but whatever. Luckily, their corporate world corporate headquarters is right down the street. Weird how that happens, huh? Very convenient, it seems. It really seems that way. Anyway, so uh, just to make this episode actually move along quicker, uh, Marge gets down to the corporate headquarters and gets a meeting with their CEO, uh, because that's how you do. Uh, You just walk in and all of a sudden the CEO has to pay attention to you. Uh, But uh, it does not go the way Marge expected it to go. Excuse me, I'm looking for the head of Mother Loving Sugar? Yes, I'm Garth Mother Loving. I'm Marge Simpson. Long-time customer, first-time complainer. Hey, Marge. I'm not up on the current slang, but did the kids still say, get the hell out of my office? I want you to stop putting so much sugar in everything. Or at least warn people that it's so unhealthy. Hmm, that'll boost sales. While we're at it, why don't I just change my name back to Hitler? Don't you have any sense of corporate responsibility? Hey. Look, lady, if you have a problem... Bring it up with your sewing circle, okay? We're on hiatus. Everyone's everywhere. Note to Marge. Get out. I'll play it later. Note to Marge. Get out. And he throws the tape at her in case you couldn't pick that up from the uh, clip. 
Robbie, it sounds like you have a problem with this particular character. I have a problem that he's not anything. He's terrible. No, he's a caricature. He's nothing. And it's just, it, when you think about all the... Just give him... His name used to be Hitler? What's the... Is that... I, I don't... He's terribly written. Garth Mother Loving is terrible. He's a, he's a joke. And I mean, like, yeah. not, not even the, not I mean, in they, a they funny way. Made... No, they could have made the rich Texan the guy who runs it and been like, it, it, you know, fake concern, but it makes it obvious they're not going to do anything. Instead, they just made him a jerk, I guess, because of some of the characters Ben Stiller has played in the past. The best I can do. Yeah, he has no, he has nothing to him. There's nothing below, like, the thin, like, he has an inch of, inch of, of flavor on top of nothing. There's just emptiness yeah. below him, and that's... He's the worst part of the episode, honestly. Like, I can we'll complain about the structure some and, and the third act, but Garth Mudloving is the biggest problem in this episode. He's just, he is not, he is supposed to be the evil, like, he is so, such a surface level evil, evil villain. Like, can he not be anything more than a jerk? He's just a jerk. And, and he wastes Ben Stiller and does nothing, just like these, he's terrible. Like, it's just, why is he? like a dog again now why is he he makes dog noises i don't know <laughs> they wanted to make him terrible and like oh this will make him funnier like uh, uh, jokes don't have to be everything guys mother loving's bad mother i don't thumbs down all right there you go so uh Marge decides that she is going to get back at him, and the kids suggest a class action lawsuit, like Aaron Brockovich, because that's our big, you know, illusion. This episode is to Marge filing a class action suit against Mother Loving Sugar because of the terrible things it's done. Um, Marge at first is a little reluctant because she doesn't think she can afford a lawyer, but luckily, lawyer jokes. Uh, there are tons of lawyers. Law schools are turning out way more lawyers than society actually needs. Uh, one of whom is apparently Gil, so this has to be the worst law school ever. Uh, but they pick him up, and he is basically a terrible lawyer from the beginning because he says that he's not going to do depositions because everyone hates him. Which you know, yeah, obviously it's it's Gil. He he's a door to door salesman that no one likes. So I don't know what he does besides file the motions. Apparently that's all Gil is good for. So Marge goes out to all the people of Springfield and basically gets people to essentially testify. Uh, against uh, sugar, against big sugar, and some of their reasoning is suspect best. I'm filing a class action lawsuit against big sugar. Would you like to give a deposition? Sure, I'll join your lawsuit. Sugar's made my Ralphie hyperactive. I'm happy and angry! Oh, shoot, I'll sign. Figure damn sugar folk owe me for what they done to my cousin, <laughs> Diabetty. I'm trying to slim down so I can fit into Mama's coffin. That's my reward. Now, let's see if I can remember how to make my mark. Yeah. I'll get down with your lawsuit. Disco stew got hooked on the white stuff back in the 70s. <laughs> So, yes, for those of you asking, I did have to include the entire uh, clip of the song just because, you know, we all need a little music break now and again. Uh, 
Matt, so, Matt, can I ask you a question? Huh. Sure. What do you feel about Diabetti? Um, I was hoping we could just skip over her because I really don't want to talk about how <laughs> awful and horrific and just the worst character ever she is. Like, I, I was trying to figure out, do I hate Garth Motherloving more or do I hate Diabetti more? And really, it's kind of hard to pick. <laughs> so you have two choices. Oh, yeah. Here, Matt, I'm going to say here, this is my my feelings. I agree with you. She's terrible. But you have two choices when you're writing The Simpsons and you're writing this episode. And you want to have a poor, you know, redneck style stereotype character. That's a woman mm -hmm. that is uh, overweight and is doing exercises and eating a cake at the same time. And you call her Diabetti. You two and she's doing it to fit into her mother's coffin. <laughs> Just wow. You could do one of two things. Um, one, you could think really hard I, here i'm actually meant well, that three. already you've passed the simpsons <laughs> yeah, yeah you can do three things here are three things actually i'm gonna amend that one you can think really hard and find a way to fit in in that like 15 second bit a way that gives us diabetes if you really want to call her that and contextualize the di the obesity and diabetes problem in the lower class of America and how the, how you know basically everything that a person's culture is going to shape them to be reliant on medicine for their entire lives and how destructive that is and how we could we have failed that diabetes or number 2 you could be lazy and just do this very surface level joke or three, you don't include it at all. Uh, I well, think that's the best. I would one is the hardest, and I don't expect them to do that. Two is what they did. Three is what they probably should have done. Well, yeah, I didn't want to just gloss over it, Matt, because it it's a it's gross. You can you continue, Matt. I'm done. Okay, just making sure. So uh, at this point, March has been doing a lot of work, uh, and then she goes home where Homer is apparently waiting for her for some reason and gets all pissy about the fact that he, uh, that Marge was not there and to, you know, take the food out of the oven with this, her. And it's, this is a very strange scene. This is, it doesn't, it's just, it, they had a, I, is this an Aaron Brockovich? I've never seen that movie. Is there a scene where she like goes home to some, to her partner and he, and he's like, I'm, I miss you or something. Does that happen in that movie? Maybe. I've never seen that movie either. It looked pretty boring. <laughs> I so, generally don't go see Julia Roberts movies. And that's my, as a general, um, that's my only way. The only reason I would think you include this scene is because it's in the movie, but it, it's just a joke. It's like the only, it's like it exists only to have Homer tell a joke. That's it. And then we, and then have Marge be at a place so that she can receive a phone call. Basically, yes, uh, because at this point, uh, Marge is home. Uh, this is the era of cell phones in The Simpsons, but apparently uh, we're still using home phones. I guess so Frank can use his special voice changer thingy uh, because uh, she gets a call from an anonymous source uh, that is obviously Professor Frank because uh, he does his whole hoiven glavin thing. Uh, and Marge you know, figures it out because she's not stupid. At least they didn't make her stupid. Uh, that's one slight mark in the good column for this particular episode uh, and he agrees to testify testify against uh mother love me sugar because probably he worked on the 
campaign to get people to eat sugar, which, sure, I guess. So uh, at this point, we go to the courtroom uh, where Gil actually does a halfway decent job, and we get Frank to testify about what actually happened uh, in those dusty back rooms where sugar, big sugar, you know, forced their product on Americans. So, Professor, tell us about Operation Hoyven Maven. Well, we knew perfectly well it was addictive. Candy was just a sugar delivery system. We thought we were God, Hoyven Maven. Frank, you little weasel. I'll kill you! May I remind you we're in open court? I'll kill you, too! I'll kill you all! Mr. Motherloving, that could be interpreted as a threat. I'll kill you while you sleep. Objection! Mm, I'll allow it. Now, Count Fudgula, how long were you spokes-vampire for Mother Loving's breakfast cereals? Twenty of your mortal years. But I had to quit when my fangs succumbed to gingivitis. Now all my victims have to be mashed up. Aww. Your Honor, I admit it looks bad for me, but I think you might be turned around by some surprising testimony. Sir, this is a house of justice, not a sugar shack. It's Hershey Highwaymen like you who made me fat. Well, Your Honor, the court carries it well. Silence! I rule in favor of Marge Simpson. Yay! Oh, I'm so proud of you. And thanks to Marge Simpson's damning evidence, I hereby ban all sugar products from Springfield forever. Get in the car. So, yes, at this point, uh... Sugar is banned from Springfield because a judge can apparently do that somehow. No legislative process necessary. Uh, and, of course, Homer is upset at this. Uh, Marge is, I don't want to say enthusiastic about it, but she's she's willing to go along with it, essentially. So uh, that's where we stand when we go to commercial. It's 14 minutes and 38 seconds in. Yep, because that's important. Eh, gives people an idea. And this is and the, the three acts are relatively the same size. It's paced relatively well structured yeah. in at least in that case like, like that is n not what happened last week um garth mother loving is still a terrible villainous nothing yep threatening murder people in open court it's a good idea right nothing happens to him why 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 is this count fudgula is a real person Matt? how do you feel about count fudgula and um, yeah what was that whatever Matt? don't care I mean, you you were talking about the the cartoony nature earlier about the cobra and the banjo. What? Nothing. I about just assumed Count Fudgel is an old guy who, uh, you know, is a mascot. He's an actor. He's not at the actual Count Fudgel. God, I hope not. Oh, he just he's he's living the gimmick. He's living the gimmick, yeah, so to speak. Okay, I'm just just wondering. So that's where I'm going with this. Okay, uh, I don't really have many feelings about. I mean, Duff Mansick. Duffman's a character in The Simpsons, so Count Fudgela can be one too. Sure. Yeah. So now we have we come back. Sugar is banned in Springfield, and the family is upset about Marge's Law, as it is now called. Good evening. Our top story, Springfield's cake hole, has been shut forever. Under what has been dubbed Marge's Law, all forms of sugar are now illegal. Thank you, Aaron Choco Snitch. That was a group effort. I was just trying to make this a healthier place to live. Well, good work, Blue Heron Brocco Witch. Okay, that was mine. 
So, say a bittersweet farewell to such old friends as mud pies, bitems, eclarios, chewums, Kellogg's all fudge, big red snack foam, milk chuds, eatums, and all sugar pills will be changed back to highly concentrated opiate. My favorite among those, Matt, was big red snack foam. I mean, whatever else could you uh, like about that? Just, I mean, you just shake up the can, chocolate. <sighs> uh, just get some. Give me some. What does red snack foam taste like? Tell me. Who knows what any of these things Mac, are or no, taste? No, I, I need. Come on, make, tell me. I want to go with if you made a foam that tastes like red Twizzlers. Ooh, can we switch that to red Starbursts? I want red Starbursts. Ugh, red Starbursts are the worst. You guys, the little you, worst flavor. I'm gonna here. This is a, a t- Matt. I want you to tell tell the audience, tell the listeners how what the star the Starburst eating situation is in your household. We throw the cherry ones away because cherry is the worst flavor. And you, what is your favorite? Ooh, that'd be a tough one between either lemon or pink, which is supposed to be strawberry. But let's be real. It's not really strawberry. Lemon. Yeah, lemon. The best flavor because it is the sourest. And you throw the reds away. We don't actually throw them away, but, you know, they're the last ones we eat, and get, we eat last or give away to friends. I'm shaking my head. Just to make that clear to the record, yeah, I'm shaking I gotcha. my head in disapproval. I think that red snack foam tastes like red starbursts, and I would eat that all day long and probably die. Yep, that sounds about right. And I, you know, oops, all brownies. That's really good, too. Uh, <laughs> so they have a big burning of all the sugar items in Springfield in the middle center of town, including, well, they, they attempt to burn Butterfingers and that they bounce right out of the fire. Because apparently somebody on the Simpsons staff does not like uh, I mean, I think I'm guessing that this is just a shot at them because they advertise. I think the Simpsons still do advertise for Butterfingers. Like oh, wow. Bart, I think Bart still is a, like a occasional brand mascot for the Butterfingers, right? Once in a oh. while. I want to say I've seen Robert. more. I've seen recent commercials of it. Not necess- like not from 1992, but like in the 2000s at some point. However, I think that's just I think this is just a shot at that. But Butterfingers are good. Who doesn't like? Who doesn't like chocolate and peanut butter? It's chocolate and peanut butter. It's crunchy. Is it? Besides people who, you know, are allergic, but, you know, they're allowed. I mean, that's fair. Um, but we, we have the burning kids. We see the kids are suffering from withdrawals at school. Uh, Horror himself is wandering the, 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 the aisles of the Quickie Mart, which seem to be in disarray. Like, it, like we're wandering the post-apocalypse or something. And he starts licking the floor, which is blood and... Vapo rub. Vapo rub. It's an interesting combination of chemicals. Yeah. You can't taste it though. I think that's that. I will. I will compliment the writing for that because when you say the combination of blood and vapor rub, I've never tasted those things together. I know exactly what it would taste like though, and it would not be good. Oof. Can't say that I know, but I, I don't want to know. I mean, you've tasted blood. I assume that's true. I've never tasted vapor rub or even smelled vapor rub. You've never smelled vapor rub? No. How can you? Yes, you have. When? When you use it. I've never used vapor rub. Why? Why would I? What is it supposed to do? It helps you breathe. Never had a problem that breathing that night will. You've, you've uh, never had. You've never had a. You never had a cold. I do, but if I have a cold, I take Nyquil or Dayquil. Those things work better than rubbing a weird concoction on my chest. It works, man. It warms. It makes you. It loosens your chest muscles up. It helps it easy. Makes it easier to breathe. I can't say that I believe that. And besides, all my problems with breathing have always been in my head. 
Why, Robbie? I, 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 that sentence, that sentence, Matt, is legend. I'm going to write that down just to remember <laughs> it forever. All my problems with breathing have always been in my head. Yep, that's Beautiful. that works. Beautiful. So, vapor rub smells like mint, Matt. It's not complicated. Mint and oh, blood okay. together. Well, yeah, that's, that's terrible. <laughs> but, because Homer is so desperate, Apu, and probably because Apu knows Homer's buying habits, Apu sees an ally in a potential bootlegging, smuggling sugar situation. And he takes him down at nighttime, he sneaks out, and introduces Homer to the sugar cabal. Gentlemen, I have found the final member of our cabal. Count Fudula? I thought you wanted to get off the stuff. I'm a monster. Don't look at me. Homer, we need you to help us smuggle in sugar from south of the border. Oh, you mean Tennessee? No, the island of San Glucose. <laughs> Good times. Yep, the island of San Glucose. San Glucose. Ha! Mm-hmm. It's an island called San Glucose. I get it. Sounds like sugar. Mm-hmm. It's an island south of the border. South of what border? Good question. I'd like to know that personally. Why would you even say it? Just say we need to smuggle from the island of San Glucos. Again, this in this scene takes this scene takes way too long. Uh, yet, uh, them going out on Burns' boat, the entire cabal. I guess is Fudgela there? Wouldn't he melt in the sun? Probably. I mean, he is made of fudge, supposedly. If, if he's real, he probably just doesn't like being out in the sun, which, I mean, who does? <laughs> Some people enjoy this uh, a limited amount. Of, it's good for you. Crazy people. It's good for you. Gives mm-hmm. you vitamin D. Sure, sure. What do you mean, sure? That's medicine. I didn't make that up. It's not medicine. It's a basic thing that your body needs. But, ugh, the sun is just a horrible thing that we should try and hide from whenever possible. Some people like the sun, Matt. Well, those people live in cold climates where they don't get enough of it. Fair. Come to Florida for five seconds and they'll get all the sun they'll ever need. <laughs> For five seconds. I mean, Matt, you live in the Sunshine State. You could just leave. I could, but that's a lot of work. <laughs> Fair. So we get a long sequence of them going out on a boat. Homer falling off the boat multiple times. Finally, the last time, onto a whale. He falls onto a whale, Matt. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, liking this episode definitely. less the more I talk about it. Yeah, that's why we do. So we should just stop doing this show. <laughs> no. The more we talk about these episodes, the more I hate them. No, it's. Just, I mean, he falls into a whale. I think my the feelings of this set are actually pretty firm. Uh, he falls into a whale. He falls off the boat onto the lower part of the boat, and then falls off that boat onto a whale who is just cool with it. And then he scuba dives on, onto the island. He steps in some seaweed. We get a scene with a, some sugar dealers who are of unknown ethnicity. They have an accent. Uh, they signed a deal that they don't have to get paid for their sugar. Because they didn't read it correctly. I, this is the thing that makes no sense to me. Okay, this none of this makes any sense, Matt, really, at all. Mm-hmm. But are they just... Sugar is banned in Springfield. Springfield. The town of Spring... I'm just whacking my microphone. The town of Springfield. Sugar is banned. Okay. I assume that all the towns that surround Springfield still have sugar products and sugar. I mean, you would assume. So they could just drive out of town and get some sugar, but no, no, it's too difficult. 
And that's the thing, like, it, this is a, it's the, like, the first two acts of this are relatively stable and have moments of realism in it. And, but this is just, it goes off the rails where you're suddenly like, why are we going to this island to get sugar? It, it, because it all, all of this, this whole process is all just to get to this moment with Homer and March. That's really all it's for. Because they get the sugar, they're driving it back. Uh, the police are waiting for them. Why? How? Because uh, somebody in the cabal cracked, obviously. Is it Count Fudgula? I assume he he was a double agent all along. <laughs> double that makes it makes sense. That would make sense. So they get back. the The police are chasing the boat around. We get a boat chase sequence where the police crash their boat. All everyone in the cabal leaves. They get a little a little smaller boat and runs away. Homer is left on the boat alone. He pulls into dock, and he is met by Garth Motherloving and Marge. And Marge asks him to dump the sugar. Good work, Simpson. Before I bring the sugar in, I want to see the Oompa Loompa. He's right over there. That guy is freaky. Well, here's your sugar. No, Homer! You'll be condemning this town to a life of obesity and diabetes. Don't listen to her, Homer. Oh, they both make such good arguments. Please, homie, dump the sugar for me. So we get a, some moments of waffling back and forth, and Homer dumps the sugar into the, the ocean. So there's that. There's that. That 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 basically essentially ends the episode. Uh, I mean, there's a throwaway line by Judge Snyder who says, "Hey, I wildly o- over mm-hmm. you know played my authority." Matt, there I, it's there's a little bit. There's one other thing actually I pulled because I think it actually, it actually, this ending helps redeem this third act a little bit. I would say in my eyes, it, it, well, because at least. Things go back to normal the way they should in real life. Well, it's not even that. It is this. It's this. This because he dumps the water. He dumps the sugar into the water, and the whole town basically starts running into uh, the dock and jumping off into the water and eating. What is salt water mixed with sugar? Probably tastes terrible. Not. I mean, considering how much sugar there was, it probably is relatively low uh, ratio. High sugar, low salt, so it probably wouldn't taste that bad. It still is ocean water in in a dock, so it probably tastes that yeah. doesn't taste very good. But they were desperate for sugar, obviously not. So well we get this scene of everyone jumping in and the judge shows up, but Marge and Homer have this little conversation, and this conversation makes me feel a little bit better about the rest of the episode. Mm, I guess you just can't use the law to nag. Maybe I should just stop trying to change the world. No, Marge, I love when you do that. You're a regular Karen Aladovich. That's the best one. That's what I told Lisa. Sugar. Oh, honey, honey. Hey, I found some pearls. Oh, wait, they're just my teeth. Well, I can still make a necklace out of them. Not the bit is, the Lenny bit is not what I was referencing <laughs> the money are you sure i'm sure that his teeth fell out because the water was so sugary uh no that's not what i was referencing matt uh, i was referencing that that the, the that scene with homer and marge which is sweet and it it actually like this episode really swerves away from being a mar it's a marge episode in the second act 
It's like a Homer episode, then a Marge episode, and then a Homer episode again, which is very strange. And this, I think this scene does a little bit of tying that together. The fact that it's both of them doing, that are both in the featured in this episode, it does a little bit in giving Marge something. You know, Homer has it, they, they give Homer an end to his little arc where he is smuggling sugar, but then he because Marge tells him, you know, asks him to do something, asks him to dump it. He dumps it because he loves his wife and respects her opinion. And then we get a little we, So his little arc is rounded up. Marge then gets this little speech saying, well, why should I, I just, you know, and it's Marge sometimes does things like, you know, historically that aren't necessarily good in the end she has good intentions though you know when she she gets violent you know she gets itchy and scratchy changed or when you know they're when she uh tries to take the family to the country club and, and gets them classed up so to speak she has good intentions and then sometimes things turn bad and she is she usually her intentions are usually out of empathy it's usually not because of some selfishness marge is generally very empathetic and this is it doesn't, I will say, totally, it feels very strange when you have a bunch of silly garbage at the end of the episode about saying glucose and Count Fudula, etc., etc. But it is a nice dose of algene sweetness that makes me like it a little bit more because it makes Marge, it gives Marge an end to her arc where she, you know, Homer makes his choice because of Marge. And Marge goes, oh, maybe I shouldn't try anymore. I should just let the world be the way it is. And Homer's like, no, I I like that you try and change things, you know, and et cetera. Like, and she is em emboldened because of her husband. And like, I'll take it. I'll take it. Well, yeah, because at the end here, this little uh, bit between Homer and Marge kind of redeems the episode. Because like you said, it's a Homer episode, a Marge episode, a Homer episode. Um, and it gets their relationship right. Like Marge and Homer are very different people as we have seen through 13 seasons uh, of the Simpsons, but they stay together because they have a unique bond. And I feel like this episode actually gets that, uh, and which is apparently very rare for the Scully years. And, you know, like you said, this episode is not the worst Scully years episode, but it, it gets some of those things. You can tell that the writer's room is starting to cycle through, uh, you know, some of those people that came up on season 12 are still there, but there are also people trying to make a, a better version of that. So it's really nice to see that subtly changing back to where we know the characters should be. I mean, I think that's the influence of Al Jean. I think, one, you're not going to suddenly just change the habits of the writer's room or how they've been doing business for years at this point. You know, it's going to be a slow and steady change to how Al Jean wants things run, probably, and how he wants episodes to feel. But just this ending, like this does a lot of Scully or stuff in it and nonsense and inciting incidents, just full of inciting incidents and stuff. But it has that the the under at least a understanding of Homer and Marge's relationship. Homer doesn't act like uh, a sociopath to his family. There's there's some funny jokes in here. I think there's some also there's some tone deaf stuff about all the fat jokes and all the sugar stuff and like the personal responsibility thing. And it feels, I don't know, at times this episode feels very libertarian. I don't know how I feel about that. And just, I, I, and Garth Mother Lovin' is miserable. 
He's so bad. He brings this episode down just by his appearance, just by having him in this episode. If that was anyone, if that was just Burns, like if they just had Burns as the, and like at least Burns, he can be super villainous in an episode because we have had a lot of background with Burns where we have seen him as a real person. So when he just appears in an episode is like incredibly villainous, we can forgive it and excuse it. But when you get a new character that appears literally for like four minutes and is just, I am just a villainous caricature. And that's just, that's all he shouts. That's what Garth Mother Loving shouts this entire episode. It's just him shouting that over and over and over again. It doesn't work. Um, I think I'm more positive on this episode than I probably sound. Yeah, because it's a decent episode to watch. It doesn't contain anything that's horrifically offensive besides Diabetti. But, (laughs) you know, we can get past that relatively easily compared to the Scully years. I mean, I think the ending does redeem it. I think that's it's true of a lot of stuff is like if you have a good ending, you can it can it can erase a lot of the bad stuff you do. It was like what my old orchestra uh, conductor would always tell me. He's like. You can play an entire song bad. If you end it well, people will forget everything else. They will forget the rest of the music. They'll go, oh, man, that ended perfect. Oh, it's good. Who cares that they missed 16 notes and they were offbeat for the middle three minutes of the song? I mean, other musicians will notice. No one else will. (laughs) No one else will notice, most likely. Um the Lenny T thing at the end, bleh, whatever. I think this episode is fine. It's fine. That is my... It has problems. It's flawed. It is not... It does not upset me the way that Brawl and the Family does. Largely, be, I think... Matt, I think it, a lot of the time, I figured this out. It's taken me 277 episodes for me to figure this out. I think an episode that it might have a lot of problems... But if it doesn't mess with the core family and the integrity of the family and how they treat each other, I will be okay with it. I would wholeheartedly agree. Uh, like I said, as long as the family and their characterizations hold up and there are a few jokes and, you know, if we're lucky, maybe something heartwarming, I'm okay with that. I'm not going to call it a great episode, but it's something I would still want to watch. But when you start pulling in Vegas Wives and stuff like, and you know animal i think the more i think about it those wolves and those cougars are working together matt mm. i can deal with count fudgula and i can deal with cobras and banjos but wolves and i don't know what it is it's a very weird tenuous cartoony rule set that's in my mind somewhere and i don't know how to define it we will write this episode at the end of the show is this episode broken matt i don't think so i think it's actually halfway decent I would agree with you. I think it has flaws. I don't think it's broken. I think it is. It is on the. It, it is above the Mendoza line, as I am wont to say. <laughs> um. So 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 I know submissions from this for my favorite episode. Surprise, surprise. We can move on to our next. It's time for comments from the news group. Okay, here we are. Alt dot nerd dot obsessive. Comments to news group is where I comb through the nohomers.net. Let me make sure I get this website right before I start. Uh, I think it's nohomers. Nohomers.net forums. Now I've switched over from the old alt.tv.simpsons news group and see what people thought about the episode. Uh, consensus is good. 
Uh, but I got a, a sampling of reviews just to give us a good taste of everything. Uh, the first one, I would say this is by far the best episode for, so far this season. Plot stayed together rather well. I felt like I was watching one episode as opposed to three. I also like how it focused less on the family itself. There were scenes in the bar, at school, even at Disco Stew. I also think Homer is more himself than he has been in recent seasons. Early on, uh, early on, he was a mix, both stupid yet smart. An example would be Maggie makes three. He ripped his hair out in one scene, but he also made a shrine to Maggie in his office. Added a more realistic human side to his outrageousness. Last se- few seasons, that was missing. This episode seemed to strike a better balance. In one scene, he was licking blood and vapor rub off the floor. Uh, pretty stupid. Yet he also made some nice Aaron Brockovich puns, something the recent stupid Homer would not have even understood. At the end, he even chose the right thing. He dumped the sugar, which again illustrates a more classic Homer. All in all, it wasn't the best episode ever, or even close. There are some parts I didn't like. The human ball for one, but it was good overall. I would rate it 4 out of 5. Uh, next up. This episode is mediocre at best. Overall, it was fairly dull and unfunny. Methinks I laughed no more than five times. Though I did like the Sugar Baron's contract. I've loved algae and stuff up to this point. But, sure, there were no homicidal jockey trolls, but the vampire count came awfully close. 2.5 out of 5. That seems... Come on. Right, we're doing decimals now? What's the point of that? If we're doing a 5 scale, what you, you don't get decimals. Solid prime, Solid numbers. Okay. Can we all agree on that? For real, guys. God. If I'm going, if I'm ranking something out of five, it gets a, one, a zero, one, two, three, four, five. I'm ranking something out of ten, it gets a zero to ten. I don't get seven point seven. Then go to a hundred. Okay, I'm this is. I'm sorry. It's okay, Robert. I it's apologize. Okay. Just breathe. I'm Just sorry. Breathe. It's me. It's me. Finally. Uh am I the only one who thought this episode bit the big one? It was nice to see the Simpsons actually get back into a courtroom, something we haven't really seen since Phil Hartman's passing, and the use of old Gil as a lawyer was good. Most of this episode was rubbish, contrived, and not even remotely funny. Talk about your stupid plots. Worst episode of the seasons, hands down. Hands down, Matt. Hands down. I can't. I, I can't. I'm, after Brawl in the Family last week, and you're saying this is worse than that? Yeah, right. Brawl in the Family, much, much worse than this. Um, I do it. That, that comment, though, does raise a question in my mind, Matt. Why... After this episode, didn't they just put Gil as the as the Lionel Hutz role? Right, because that makes sense when why you think could, about it. Why couldn't they push Gil into that role? Make Gil the kind of he's not the same kind of slimy lawyer that that Lionel Hutz was, but he's he's still kind of the low budget. He can still be Gil, and that gives Gil an, a defined role. Versus, I mean, they probably wanted Gil in that undefined place because they could give him any job. But that gives you an excuse to create a new character that does that instead of Gil. And Gil could be your lawyer. He could be the Lionel Hutz role, which they use all the time. Um, so for the ratings, we got uh, 20, 20, roughly 25%, uh, 5 out of 5, 40%, 4 out of 5. About 19%, 3 out of 5, 8%, 2 out of 5, 7.7%, 1 out of 5, and just under 2%, 0 out of 5. So, majority gave it a 4 out of 5. Which is something. I mean, there have been worse. <laughs> there have what, been, Robbie? There have, there have, you're correct, Matt. I will not disagree with you. There have been worse. Um, but that's about it uh, for the forum. For some thoughts, we can move on to our next segment. It's time for the listener question of the week. Let's try one more number. <gasps> Yellow. KBBL is going to give me something stupid. Well, hot dog, we have a wiener. Yellow. The listener question of the week this week is, what is your favorite Martin Prince moment? Uh, this is uh, in dedication to Russie Taylor, longtime voice of Martin Prince and Uter, along with many other voice, uh, vo- uh, 
the voices of many other characters in other shows uh, recently passed. Lots of great answers. Appreciate everyone who took the time to answer. First from Joseph, hark to the tale of Nelson, the boy he held so dear. They remain the best of friends for years and years and years and years. Lots, very popular answer. I unsurprisingly also very popular answer from Sean having his swimsuit ripped off and staring longingly into the sun, setting sun while singing summer wind, summer wind, very popular uh, from Eric, the soapbox derby race car crash. It hurts. It hurts. Owie, 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 owie. <laughs> uh, from Will, when Bart is dressed like a nerd and Martin says, your appearance is comical to me. Uh, this line cracks me up. I try to use a life as much as possible. From Amy, when did, he does the little dance when he plays Finland for the Mock UN in the Lord of the Flies parody. Matt's favorite episode, I want to add. Matt loves Das Bus. Mm, yes, yes. Uh-huh. From Lauren, uh, there are so many, but the best was him beating the crap out of the bullies in the movie. As a fellow nerd, I say well done. It's good. He, get, he, he gets his justice. He gets, you know, years of uh, abuse, and he gets some... That's he gets, true, yeah. He gets to return some. From Mike... Who would have thought it'd be so much the fun to push a boy into the girl's bathroom? The thrill, the humiliation, the fact that it wasn't me. <laughs> uh, from Jenny, take your best shot. I'm wearing 17 layers. Five seconds later, I brought this on myself. Uh, from Brandon, spring forth, burly protector, and save me. I don't do this normally. Normally. Uh, from Lisa, soon I will be queen of summertime. Ugh, yeah. From Lisa, soon I will be queen of summertime. Uh, I mean king, king. Uh, from Abby, uh, Energy Turtle, Bart of Darkness, the closing scene where Bart Martin is naked and alone singing Summer Wind. It's so sad, so beautiful, and so hilarious all at once. It's the perfect performance. We really lost a giant when we lost Rusty Taylor. From Lauren at Elcombe88, Hark the Tale of Nelson and the Boys He Loved So Dear. They are the best of friends for years and years and years. Again. Uh, from Will at Will's World MN, who asked uh, asked me to asked us the question, Matt. You mean the character or my dog who has the same name? I mm. I said we'll accept either. So uh, his response was adopting him is my favorite Martin Prince moment. As for the show, it's from Bart's Aww. inner child, uh, Mrs. Krabappel. The wireless was invented by Gi- Giuglielmo Marconi. Who can tell me what his first message was? Martin's response: Our tenth caller will receive tickets to Super Tramp. Martin gets a nice little moment. And the dog, his dog, well, your dog is very cute. He's attached to a picture. Uh, Alex at okay, K Whatever Man. Oh boy, Flipsy, you and I are going on a road trip. Oh, that dog. Uh, Jay's face at Coach. Jay's face in grade school confidential when Martin tells Bart he, that he must not fall in love with him. <laughs> Martin sees a rare opening to get a burn on someone and he takes it. Oddly satisfying. Uh, from Derek at Ismay's Derek. 40 wax with a wet noodle, Bart. I spontaneously burnt that blurt that out at any given time. I don't I don't know why nobody has any idea what I'm talking about, but I love it. <laughs> Martin was so used so sparingly yet so effectively. Uh, Derek has a nice little message for Rusty Taylor. Rest a piece from Irish Simpsons fans. I cannot pronounce it, so I'm not going to try. Uh, Brian and Brian J. Feld. My geode must be acknowledged. <laughs> Yes, it should. Darn it. Uh, it's fair. Fair enough. Uh, and finally, from Emma at Emma's Brad, 1991. Thank goodness he's drawn attention away from my shirt. With <laughs> That's one of the best ones. It says Wayne Computers. Um, Matt, what is your answer? Uh, my answer is Summer Wind. Uh, it just feels so perfect uh, that Martin, the smart person, thinks he has outsmarted everyone and ends up 
bringing down his own ruin. It feels so close to home. My answer is also Summer Wind. Unsurprisingly. Unsurprisingly. It's beautiful. It is, it is Abby's uh, answer talking about how, how it's sad, beautiful, and hilarious all at once. I Yes, it is. It is all of that and more. It is perfect. It is one of those Simpsons moments that manage to compact all of these. It's funny and sad and beautiful and makes you feel all the things all at once. Uh, and that's wonderful. Uh, rest in peace, Rusty Taylor. Our next question, our next week's question is, what is your favorite food quote? The Simpsons have had so many, so, so many quotes about food. Uh, what's your favorite? I'll post this question on all our social media, facebook.com slash the Simpsons show pod, Twitter, or at Simpsons show pod. You can email us at Simpsons show pod at gmail.com. Links to all that stuff is also easily available on our website, which is the Simpsons show.com. Matt. Yes. Are you ready for our next segment? I'm ready. I've got my questions this week. Great. It is time for the no Google trivia challenge. I am too smart. I am too smart. SMRT. I mean, S-M-A-R-R-T. The No Google Trivia Challenge is for Matt and I each challenge each other with three trivia questions, one easy, one medium, and one hard, and try and stump the other. I have a one-point lead, Matt, after last week. Well, then, we'll see about that this week. Mm, I don't like the sound of that. Give me an easy question, Matt. All right. Your easy question. What is the name of the company that tries to buy the Flaming Mo in Flaming Mo's? Easy? That's the easy question? Yeah. I'm not looking for the whole name, just the one that, you know, everyone remembers. I don't... Everyone? It's some weird... I thought fake, everyone. It's a weird fake chain restaurant, right? Or is it Duff? I don't yes. Think it's, uh, no, it... no, no, no. It's, it's, it's a fake chain restaurant. Uh, that's what I thought. It's a fake chain restaurant. Tipsy McStaggers? There you go. You knew it. Uh, the whole name is Tipsy McStaggers Good Time Eating and Drinking Emporium. Yeah, of course. I think I'm using that for a medium question at one point, Matt. Just to let you know. Well, I already had a hard and a medium question, so that had oh, to be the... Oh, okay. I see, I see how it goes. I already had a medium hard question. I'll just turn a medium question into an easy question. Uh-huh. Sure, Robbie. Yeah, that's... All yeah. right. We'll see how... I. All right. I'll adjust. I'll adjust. <clears throat> Your easy question, Matt. These are all from Homer vs. 18th Amendment. Ooh, okay. What police chief do they call in to enforce prohibition? That would be Rex Banner. Mm. Also something I would consider uh, not an easy question, but what? you know. Rex Banner? Especially for you, Mr. You're Mr. Rex Banner. Well, that's that's true. I love this episode and I would know that, but I feel like that's I, I, at least well, as difficult as that's what I mean. Tipsy I, no, you're asking me. You're not asking some random person off the street. You're asking mm -hmm. me. And I know you know Rex Banner. There's not a doubt in my mind you know Rex Banner. Unless Fair. you got hit in the head this morning or something. I mean, I did almost pass out from heat stroke, but you know, Matt, you should go. That hasn't affected me too much. You're, stop running in the Florida time. <laughs> in the Florida time, <laughs> sure. What's my medium question? All right, your medium question. What is the name of the waitress Mo hires in Flaming Mo's? Oh God, Mary. I'm sorry, just Colette. I mean, there's only so many female names in the world. You could have gotten one of them, yeah. Yeah, I just—it's a random guess. They're relatively okay. Your medium question, Matt. How much does a beer cost during Springfield's Prohibition? Oh, um, $52. $45. Dang, I was close. This best, be <laughs> this be better the best tasting beer in the world. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Or this, uh, all right. What's my hard question? Matt? 
your hard question, what is the name of the representative that tries to buy the recipe from for the Flaming Mo, who works for Tipsy McStagger? Hi, I'm... Mm-hmm. That's his name. Exactly. Uh, oh, Tipsy's not a real a real person. He is a caricature. Um, mm-hmm. Tom... Tom... Tom Sawyer. <laughs> I'm sorry, it is Harv Bannister. Harv? His name is Harv? That's what it says on his business card, and that's what he tells Mo. Harv Bannister? Harv. Okay. Your hard question, Matt. During the St. Patrick's Day Parade, what floats do we see? I have no clue. I'm not going to waste anyone's time there, with this. There's only three of them. Nothing. I have no idea. I don't think I've ever even seen them. Yes, uh, you have. I at least paid attention to them. Oh, Matt. I was expecting more from you. Sorry. I was expecting at least to know one of these. One is 2,000 Years of Irish Cops. Oh, I do remember seeing that one See? now. See? Yeah. Uh-huh. And then we get Drunken Irish Novelists of Springfield, <laughs> which is a personal mm-hmm. favorite of mine. So I'm a fan of, of some drunken Irish novelists. And the final one is the easiest one, which I'm amazed you didn't get, the Duff Float. Oh, of course. the Duff. I didn't want to just say the Duff Float because the odds were there. Okay. It sprays beer everywhere and gets Bart drunk. That's what it was, right? In his vuvuzela. Mm-hmm. This one is different, Mom. I promise. All right, I have some bonus uh-huh. questions for you, man. Okay. These are from John. Again, thank you, John, for these questions. Appreciate it. These are all Troy McClure quotes. I will give you the 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 episode it's from and the beginning of the quote. I want you to finish the quote. Okay. This is from Mister Plow. You might remember me from such films as The Erotic Adventures of Hercules and... Uh, there's so many, I can't... I, I don't remember this particular one. Dial M for murderousness. Of course. From Home Alone. You might remember me from such films as Today We Kill, Tomorrow We Die, and... Gladys the Groovy Mule. Yay, got that one. Good job. Bart's right. Inner Child. You might remember me from such help, self-help videos as Smoke Yourself Thin and... Get confident, stupid. Correct. From Marge, be not proud. You might remember such public service videos as designated drivers, the life-saving nerds, and... Oh, I know this. I know this. I don't know this. Phony tornado alarms, reduced readiness. Reduced readiness. Yes. Very good. It's a very good one. Uh, From Bart's friend, Bart's friend falls in love. You might remember me from such educational films as lead paint, delicious but deadly, and... Uh... Isn't it like Doris doesn't live here anymore? Nope. No. I don't know then. Here comes the metric system. Oh, yes. Dang it. It's a good one. And finally, from Duffless, you might remember me from such driver's ed films as Alice's Adventures Through the Windshield Glass and... Uh, The Adventures of Larry Ledfoot. Close, but no cigar, Matt, is the decapitation of Larry Ledfoot. Ledfoot gets decapitated, Not Mm. does not go on an adventure. Well, that's a kind of adventure, just not Alice fun. goes on an adventure through the windshield glass. Yeah. Well, we're still, still one point up on you, Matt. Maintain my lead. <sighs> Shucks. Which is the way I like it, obviously. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, we can move on to our final segment, a segment we end every single episode with. It's time for best episode ever. Best episode ever. Best episode ever is the part of show where Matt and I rank the episodes categorically. We watch them chronologically, eventually compiling a list of every episode ever and how good they are. 
this is actually a pretty tough one because like we said, it's not terrible the way last week. Last week we just w- scrolled right to the bottom and said, oh, it's somewhere in the bottom 10. But this one is is actually kind of okay. Kind of okay. Kind of okay. Yeah. It is kind of okay. But I would not still call not call it good. No, definitely not. Like I, I'm looking in, in the area of, you know, Bart to the Future or maybe Simpsons Roast on an Open Fire. You know, and with some of the season one stuff. I would say... I'm looking directly at Take My Wife's Sleaze. I think this is better than that one. Not by a lot, but I, I, I'm pretty sure it is better than that one. Okay, well, right above that is Insane Clown Poppy. Ooh, that is kind of closer to this one, isn't it? Hmm. It's a crusty episode. I like Insane Clown Posse. Poppy. Mainly not because... Insane Clown... Poppy, I mean, if sorry. you like ICP, Matt, I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna judge you. Whoop, whoop. You can be a juggalo every day of the week. Uh, I'm just... I do not enjoy the Insane Clown Posse, but I do enjoy Big Money Russell's. Anyway. Uh, we have... That's even... That's a more distressing thing, honestly. If you told me that you liked ICP, I would... I would get, okay, that's... You know, takes all kinds, but Big Money Russell's is hilariously bad uh anyway uh, it certainly is bad is it better than it's, is this episode better than insane clown poppy i don't think so because at, for, for the most part insane clown poppy uh has a through line of plot that is less jarring than this particular episode uh you get a little bit of homer nonsensically in there because it's a crusty episode first and foremost but at least crusty generally acts like you expect crusty to act which you know the characters in Sweet and Sour March also do, but you have that weird you know inciting incident to the inciting incident. Whereas in uh, Insane Clown Poppy, it just makes sense how everything unfolds. Oh, they're at a book festival. Krusty meets his daughter. Boom, goes from there. It just it's a more you know linear storytelling. I would agree with you. I put it right between those two. All right. So that's Sweet and Sour March. That's at number 230 now on the list right below. Insane Clown Poppy right above Take My Wife's Sleaze. Number one on our list is still Homer's Enemy. Last place is Simpson Safari. I don't know how long it's going to take before we... We might might see... There are episodes that are also very bad, even later in this season, that may challenge it. Uh, Our next episode, Matt, is Jaws Wired Shut. Okay. I remember this one being okay, not great, but we'll see if that holds up. I, I, en- I, th- I remember enjoying this episode. So, it this is written by Matt Selman. Okay, maybe. So we'll may- see. We'll it's see. Kind of sort of. It has, it's got it's relatively well regarded. Um, but we'll talk about that next week. Uh, you can find this list. It's at our, it's at our website, thesimpsonshow.com. Includes links to all our social media and a link to our Patreon. If you want to throw the show a couple dollars, we'd really appreciate it. Help keep the lights on. Help pay for hosting. It just gets more expensive as we do more episodes. Um, we'll try and keep all of them available for everyone. Uh, let's see. I, before we go, I'm on, on Twitter, at Robbie Dorman. You can see everything I do at my websites, RobbieDorman.com, including a link to my new horror novel, Truth. You've already heard an ad for it, so I won't repeat all that. Uh, there's a link to it there. And... A link to all my podcasts, Hands Boys Comics Hour. It's about comic books, Zero Finesse. It's about a bunch of nerdy discussions with my friends. Most recent episode is about Predator with Andrew from uh, AndrewBlog.net. AndrewBlog. Yeah. And he is, we, I defend Predator with my whole being against. I don't know why you wouldn't. Predator is one of the early great action movies. Uh, so yeah, don't, don't, don't worry about contacting me. Just 
go listen to that seriously because it's really good <laughs> matt does not participate in social media you will not find him uh that's true go listen to predator because predator is amazing and if anyone says it's not well then we're gonna have words i'm gonna sneak up behind you invisible because i've got predator technology i mean that's andrew he doesn't like it Matt. oh goodness i don't know we're gonna have to have a conversation next time he guest stars I tried not. I really did. I tried. <laughs> I tried to sway. It just didn't work. Um, but that'll do it for us today. I'm Robbie. And I'm Matt. And keep watching the Sips ads. Shh.